WIOX is supported by you and the following underwriters. Caldwell Banker Timberland Properties, with six offices located throughout the Catskills, serving buyers and sellers of land and homes for over 40 years. Timberland Properties agents live, work, and play locally, with offices in Margaretville, Stamford, Roscoe, Delhi, Sydney, and Boyceville. Timberlandproperties.net, 845-586-3321. What the soap? WTS and Company in Prattsville for soaps and lotions made on site, locally handcrafted candles, pottery, jewelry, art, and gifts, and a hand-picked selection of books on homesteading, nature, and local history. WTS and Company in the Prattsville Plaza and online at whatthesoap.com. O'Connell and Aronowitz, attorneys at law since 1925. For legal representation from the routine to the more complex, committed to the fair treatment of all individuals. Family law, wills, trusts, and estate planning, litigation accidents and personal injury, constitutional law, Medicaid planning, elder care, and health law, criminal defense, not-for-profit and entity formation, commercial financing, O'Connell and Aronowitz, Attorneys at Law, 518-462-5601, 518-462-5601, oalaw.com. Hi, I'm Joyce St. George, host of Music Matters, Friday morning from 10 to noon, right here on WIOX Roxbury, community radio live and local in the Catskill Mountains at 91.3 FM, MTC Cable Channel 20, and WIOXradio.org.
Good evening. You're listening to WIOX Community Radio, live and local in the Catskill Mountains at 91.3 FM, MTC Cable Channel 20, on the campus of SUNY Delhi at 107.5 FM, and worldwide at WIOXradio.org, on any mobile device FM radio app. This is From the Forest. Every Wednesday, 6 to 7 p.m., we talk about a different forest-related topic with Ryan and John. Ryan's out tonight, but I'm here with a familiar voice, uh, Mr. Mike Porter. He is the board president of the Catskill Forest Association, a uh, lifelong local of the Catskill Mountains, and uh, him and I just like to get together. We talk this and that whenever we can, and we're going to try to keep it towards sawmilling tonight but we're gonna try but whatever happens, it never works so mike how are you i'm good i'm good i'm good. glad to be back yeah what have you been up to in the last oh. couple of weeks since spring has finally seemed to sprout well, i have a deadline to get my firewood in oh yeah because we're going away and i want it in my shed and ready so i've been doing a truckload of firewood about every day okay and birds are starting to come back I had rose-breasted grosbeaks at the feeder the last few days. Uh, today there was an indigo bunting, and the my every year one day there's a brown thrasher and a towhee, and they they made their visit. And I know you keep a journal and notes on when the birds return. Is this normal, timing-wise? Uh, yeah, pretty much. Yep. The the only thing that I'm behind on right now is warblers. I have not heard or seen a warbler really and it's usually the last week or so that they start showing up so i don't know what's going on that and catbirds i i guess you're right because i mean that's a bird warblers black throated blue it's something i take note of while turkey hunting yeah and uh youth weekend was two weeks ago this past weekend was the opening of turkey season and i haven't heard one yet in the morning chorus yeah i had a friend who saw a black and white warbler mm. at his house up in hawkett and he called and says Hey, I got a question for you. There's this bird. It's not a nuthatch, but it looks like it's black and white warbler. He had to say any more because <laughs> the black and white warbler behaves just like a nuthatch. Okay. So I said, I said really? I said, yeah, no sweat. Hmm. I got it right. <laughs> so anything you've seen this spring so far abnormal to you as um, far as species or anything along those no, lines? No, not abnormal, but <clears throat> low numbers. Okay. Red-winged blackbirds were really low coming back. <laughs> Um, I generally have flocks of 50 to 100 of them come to the feeder when they first get back. And it hasn't been that way. And last year it wasn't. So I don't know what's going on with them. Hmm. Vultures were back pretty much on time, maybe a little early. Um, I saw an osprey the other day, and they usually pass through about now. Yeah, I saw one too last week. So things are, yeah, they're coming around. But... No, with no leaves on, it's perfect warbler time, but mm. they're not here. So I don't know where they are. And there's not many bugs, so that might be the, the equation. Yeah, um, yeah, I just saw, started to see uh, hatches of black flies on Sunday. Did you? Okay. So that's... Yeah, when the bugs are out, the birds are come back. Okay. Yeah. Well, cool. Well, that's and something been, to look forward to. Any bears? Uh, no. no. No, me either. I've seen bear tracks. I haven't seen even that. I've been also working on some sycamore that you and I cut up. Yeah. And what have you been doing with I, that? I made a I'm making a new dining room table for our house. Cool. Yep. And it's it's coming out good. I, I'm at a point where I've got to wait because we're going away for a while, so I'm going to finish it when I get back. 
Oh, okay. I got it glued up and I got all the pieces cut. And I just got to get the final flattening and do all of that. Yeah, well, that's the fun part, you know. Yeah. All the grunt work's kind of done. Now yeah. it's all coming together. Yeah. yeah, I just finished a cherry table and I built it specifically so it wasn't going to fit on our floor plan of our house. Uh -huh. <laughs> so. well, I'm hoping I can get this in the door. But Well, no, it'll fit in a house, no problem. I just made it so it wouldn't fit with our flow of things. So yeah. I didn't <laughs> make sure my wife didn't want to steal it on me because I wanted to sell this one. Yeah. So I got one beautiful cherry table for sale if anybody's yeah. looking for one of those. But I also made a cut. I have, we had some uh, sycamore slabs that I made into live edge coffee tables. That I've got them all flattened and sanded, and I just got to wait till someone wants one, or I feel like buying the legs and getting them together. Mm -hmm. but they're going to be nice too. Really cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's fun when you can yeah. see it go from a tree to lumber to it is a final product that, ready to go tree, in the house. We had blood, sweat, and tears in that tree, oh Jeff. Yeah, I ended up uh, investing in a, some new gear that would have helped that day and uh, learning some new knot techniques that I had known about but hadn't mastered yeah. to try. So now I've mastered so we can... We can do that again. If next time something like that comes along, I'm not going to say it's going to be easy because yeah. that was a bear. Was but it, it'll go down hopefully smoother than yeah. before we to paint a picture for the listeners it's uh we fought with this sycamore the landowner invited us said look it's it's leaning for the stream and every storm it leans a little further i'm afraid it's going to go in so if you can get it down you could have it i said challenge accepted <laughs> it had what maybe a 20 degree back lean oh, over the stream bad, yeah. uh, diameter in the upper 20s maybe 30 inch diameter so it's a yep. big honking a big tree, tree. Yep. and nothing but uh, a, a line uh, a rope along and wedges. wedges 11 wedges i think it was. i think we had yeah had 11 plus a few you made out of wood yeah. plus a few that went in the river <laughs> um and uh we got that by the end of it i was at the beginning i was trying not to get my feet wet by the end of it i was like whatever happens happens i was jumping in the river and yeah. and uh making cuts that was necessary well, it, was, it was at a point where after all that it was going to go in the river if something didn't work yeah i mean that was the other option just yeah. to put it in the river and there was a tractor there we could have fetched the logs out yeah. but that wasn't an ideal situation no, so we did we got it up and over and it hit the ground maybe 20 minutes later and that was a sigh of relief yeah and it was good it was it was i learned a lot yeah like I, I go out with John when he works at Casco Forest Association on his sawmill. And I go out mainly to help, but I also pay real close attention to cuts he makes and the way he does things. And that kind of helps me with my sawmill. Well, sometimes you just learn by trial and error. Yeah. We'll yeah. Figure I, out what I didn't work. I do a lot work. of that, too. Yeah. But, yeah. That's school yeah. of hard knocks, right? Yeah. Well, anyway, so the the name of this show tonight is, um, well, what the heck was the name? Uh, I don't know if it was exactly what I wrote down. <laughs> I shouldn't have said uh, that. Something um, about sawmilling. Basically planting your woods yeah. and playing with sawmills, yeah. small-scale uh, portable sawmills. And Mike's got, uh, Mike's got one on his property, and I operate the one at the Catsco Forest Association a few days a week all, all season long. And... Um, Mike helps me out on the when I need help, volunteer help, and uh, I help him out on his sawmill if he needs help. And so I guess, Mike, what got you started? Because I know you didn't have this sawmill as your first mill. 
No. Um, actually, what the first sawmilling I ever did was in 1988. We bought our piece of property and wanted to build a cabin. And I used the 1946 Willys as a skitter and as a boom truck and a 24-inch Alaskan sawmill with a 40-year-old partner chainsaw to mill all the logs for that cabin. Wow. Impressive. Yeah. It was... uh, uh, the, the the way I measured it was 23 gallons of chainsaw gas and five six gallons of bar oil <laughs> and a lot of sweat equity. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And it came out really nice. It's still standing. So it came yeah. out nice enough that we decided to kind of make it nice inside, too. Okay. And a whole summer. Yeah. And now, had you have the mill you have now, how long could you have, uh, what did it take to assemble something like that? I it wouldn't be near that long. Quarter of the time, maybe? It, maybe, yeah. No. The, the biggest difference would be, uh, the s- biggest similarity would be peeling the logs. Mm-hmm. The, the cutting was, I'd do one course at a time. It was 18 by 24 in a 12 by 12 bedroom, butted out. And I would have the time in one day to cut the trees, drag them out, mill them, peel them, and then at the end of the day, put them on the cabin. So I did a row at a time, dead green, and uh, very rarely could I do more than a row in a day. Mm. With the mill I've got now, I could have cut days' worth in a morning. Right, right. <laughs> what a difference it would have been. But it's it's good. I did it, and I learned, and I succeeded. So it's worth it. So uh, what's this newest toy then? What's this newer mill that you have? And what's the story of getting it and why and all that? All right. Well, at Forest Festival that CFA does in July, um, Bill Johnson would bring his portable mill down to do demonstrations when we stopped getting Hudson. Hudson used to come with their mill, and it was like to try to sell one when they were there, but Eventually, they did sell one, so they didn't come back. But Bill Johnson would bring his mill down, and I have a tractor that I can move logs with. So I always had my tractor there, and I've known Bill a long time. And we were talking, and I said, yeah, I'd like to learn to run a sawmill. He says, take this one. So he loaned me his mill, and with the expectancy that I'd buy the blades, of course, Mm -hmm. and fix it if it broke. But I took it to camp, and I started milling. Um, by trial and error. I made a lot of lumber. It wasn't very good, but I also learned a lot. And I ultimately, with that mill, I made a real nice floor out of larch that I took to my daughter's, got it in her new room on her house. And it came out really nice. I love working with larch. Wow. And it's a beautiful wood. And then I did other stuff. And I'm still using some of the lumber I made from Bill's mill. And eventually, Becky says, why don't you just get a mill? Maybe she didn't say that. She might not have said that to me that way because she probably thought I was stupid to do it. But she says, I think I'm going to get my own. So I I'd worked some with CFA's mill, and I kind of knew what I wanted and what I could afford. And I went about it looking for a totally manual mill with um, – that could go to 16 feet so I could cut long stuff if I wanted. And I found a mill from Canada that 
was big enough for what I would want and uh, economically enough for what I want. And I bought it, and they delivered it the crate. And three weeks after I got the crate, I figured out how to put it together. <laughs> <laughs> it came all assembly required, except the head. The head came complete. I just had to take that off and adjust the heights to the track. But, um, yeah, it was it was good. And I've been pleased with it. I've made some nice stuff since. And um, I've made some mistakes, but I guess that happens when you're – I work alone a lot, and I forget to do something critical like drop a, a, a clamp or something. And I've cut some metal. <laughs> We've all done something yeah. like that before. When you get your head into a groove and you don't have other eyes from other angles watching, yeah. Yeah. sometimes you just make those mistakes. It does happen. But I'm, I'm really happy with my choice. And several people have talked to me about what I bought, and they were very interested because they went online. And Woodland Mills is the company, and when you look at YouTube, there are a lot of Woodland Mills YouTubers out there. Yep, I've and, seen a lot of people yeah. reviewing them. And, and they, they use them for a lot of different things. And I got the middle size, so it's it's good. Cool, cool. Yeah. Well, that's a, I mean, I think that's a very common story to you know a lot of listeners and a lot of people I talk to anyway, and anybody looking to get into sawmilling is mainly because one they they have an interest in their wood lot and um, they understand a little bit about forest management and that some trees should be taken down for different yes. reasons or one another and um, eventually they say well they start looking at it and say you know what this is a little bit nicer than firewood but it has to come out anyway yeah. i mean can i do something with it or i'll maybe a woodworker decides you know what i'm sick of paying for right you know, eight or ten dollars a board foot at the store, which is is about what some lumber is getting yeah, to. Yeah, it is. I it's mean, when it's flat and dry. Yeah, when surfaced. Um, so, someone might think, well, how how you know how much can I save if I just milled it myself? Yeah. Especially as a woodworker, you don't go through a ton of wood. No, you it, don't. a yeah. project doesn't consume all that much. So if you and cut you can eight, plan, you plan what you what you want to use and what you need. And right. So it, cutting yeah. a single tree could provide you yeah. with two to three projects yeah. worth. And uh, you think about the cost savings, and maybe that's darn near yeah. <laughs> half the price of a mill right. or a price of a mill. So. Um, yeah, I know uh, when we ordered ours at Catskill Forest Association, the waiting list was a few months out then. But I've talked to other people since, uh, especially last year. I think COVID really did numbers on you know people buying sawmills, and the wait list was over a year long. Yeah, yeah, and the, oh, last year you had trouble getting blades. I remember because we oh, tried to use some of mine. Terrible. And we have different size saws. Yeah, and we tried tried throwing Mike's blades on and it didn't work. Um, but I know I used to be able to my my kind of mo was to re I was getting blades resharpened, sending them out, and it was a two to three week process, and they'd return. And if by chance I couldn't get them back in time for when I ran out of my spare set, uh, I would just order a few, and you could have those in a couple days. Yeah. So you know, with a couple days planning, you would never be out of blades. Well, it got to the point where uh, resharpening was six weeks out, or eight weeks out, rather, and new blades were six weeks out. Yeah. So <laughs> I couldn't plan ahead very well at the end of last season. So now we've got a, yeah. a few more blades to get us through the season. So, 
plan ahead. That's that's one part of sawmilling. Yeah, and one of the things that I, I talk about the woods. I have a about a five acre lot that was all planted the scotch pine probably in the 60s and most of the trees died or got cut to become a cabin or not most of them but a lot of them and now they've kind of reached the point where they're starting to die off yeah and i said i don't want to lose these trees so i've decided that i'm gonna that that was one of the things i've got a lot of wood to cut and um I really like the Adirondack style lean-to, but I didn't want to use logs. I just wanted to build a stick-built one. Mm-hmm. So I cut a lot of live-edge siding and two-by-fours, and I could make uh, one-bys for the floor and the roof. I could do almost everything from my trees, and then I would buy treated lumber for the base, you know, for the frame. Mm-hmm. And I got a lot cut, but I haven't built anything yet. <laughs> yeah, sometimes finding the time to... Yeah. Get your projects in order. Yeah. I'm getting to that point where I've, I've collected a bunch of wood and it's it's time I do some things with it because yeah. before I've, yeah. I, I've said unless it's something totally special that I don't already have or won't come across again at least for a long time yeah. I'm not going to do any more collecting of of lumber. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, it gets you, you got to put it somewhere. You got to put it dry. somewhere. Right. Or so, even if it's not dry, you got to cover it good so it doesn't spoil. Yeah. Well, this is From the Forest. Every Wednesday, 6 to 7 p.m., we talk about a different forest-related topic. Mike Porter and I are talking portable sawmills. When we get back, maybe we'll talk a little bit more about uh, challenges we've had cutting wood, cutting logs, retrieving logs, and a little bit about the lumber itself. Once I was a slave at the sawmill Talk about a poor boy, talk about a poor boy, never saw a dollar bill. My work was so hard at the sawmill. Think about a poor boy, think about a poor boy, when you go to write your will. See my teardrops falling down, my wife left this sawmill town. She said sawmill life has been sin. The gravy was too thin. I can't work no more at the sawmill. Mercy on a poor boy, mercy on a poor boy, let me have a dollar bill. If you bring your wife to the sawmill, how you gonna please her? How you gonna please her when she wants a dollar bill? They're not satisfied at the sawmill. Women like a dollar, women like a dollar. Yes, and women always will. See my teardrops falling down. My wife left this sawmill town. She said sawmill life had been a sin. The gravy was too thin. I can't work no more at the sawmill. Mercy on a poor boy, mercy on a poor boy, let me have a dollar bill. Wish I had a dollar bill, ain't you got a dollar bill? Let me have a dollar bill, let me have a dollar bill.
All right, this is From the Forest. Every Wednesday, 6 to 7 p.m., we talk about a different forest-related topic. That was a song about the hard life of working in a sawmill. Yeah, it's, uh, those pro- professional mills that make money at it, they have to work really hard, though. They, it's all about volume. Yeah. They yeah. need a lot of wood moving through and nothing shutting them down. It's just amazing how what we went to Bailey's on a field trip with CFA one time and just amazing the automation and what happens well yeah the the green lumber facility over in Davenport the metal detector that the logs go through on their way into the sawmill is about the size of a large pickup truck kind of like a a MRI machine. Yeah, it looked like an MRI machine. They all go through because you know, I mean, there's only you know one big, uh, big blade sawing all those trees all day, and yeah. if that thing hits a hits a bolt or something, it's dull. And yeah. The whole mill shuts down. Everybody stops working. Yeah. So. You know, the amazing thing that day, all the automation was incredible, but at the end of the run, after all the stuff had gone through, there was a guy sorting it by hand. Right. You know? And I'm thinking, oh my God, that's all hardwood it's all green that's heavy (laughs) well but i've heard that that guy of the mill who's doing the sorting at the end is making more than anybody else oh really because even the more than the sawyer he's making the dollar of of well maybe not the sawyer maybe the sawyer is but um between those two they make the difference whether it's going for high grade low grade medium grade and that's going to make the bottom line yeah. difference whether that mill stays alive or not yeah yeah it was it was it was really eye-opening and uh i'd already had my mill and was already playing with it so i could appreciate the volume you know to me going out and lo- uh, cutting up like four or five logs in a day this is a day's work uh, yeah the the volume they go through in a day is probably what you and i'll go through in a lifetime yeah yeah it's like equating it to a to walking and the i did a bicycle trip across the country now 16 years ago and on that trip i averaged 60 miles a day which is about what a car goes in an hour and i traveled 11 12 miles an hour which is about how far you walk in a day if you can walk so it's you know it's that's it's like it is this definite progression and uh same is true with these mills what they do with their technology is incredible yeah and what we do with our my manual mill i have to turn my logs every time i need to turn them by hand um i have to crank the mill up and down but that's what i wanted i didn't want it's like my maple syrup i didn't want anything that was super automated i just do buckets and a evaporator well i mean life in the woods no matter what you talk about whether it's firewood or maple syrup or sawmills you can get as fancy and as technologically advanced as you want to go with it but at the end of the day it still can be simply done and you can have the same exact end product yeah the technology just speeds things up a bit and makes the volume go you go might bigger not be as tired <laughs> you might not be as tired but I mean, having a $50,000 sawmill versus a $5,000 sawmill, you can make the same exact lumber. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's something to think about if you're going to be buying a mill. I mean, all the gadgets and gizmos that you can buy along with it, hydraulics, computerized heads, automatic feeding, all this stuff, uh, all it is is 
making you faster, making you save time. Yeah. If you're only going to mill a few logs a year, like my cousin was talking to me this weekend. He's looking to buy a mill. And he, the reason why is he's going to be building a house. He's got to clear this lot. Um, there's some walnut. There's some ash. There's some cool trees mixed in, and he wants to use them. Mm-hmm. That's the whole point of it, not sell them. Yeah. So he said, yeah, the first year I own it, I'll probably mill, you know, every every day for two months yeah. after work and then he said for the rest of the life of the mill i might mill you know a few days each year right so he's right. like what should i buy i said well you should probably plan out what you need for the rest of your life yeah. not not those two right. months you're going to use a hard and heavy yeah one of the things that somebody or people always ask is how do you move your logs mm-hmm. and i have a tractor a small ford 23 horsepower diesel with a backhoe and a bucket and my brother built me forks for it and he said i'm going to build your forks but they're not so long as you're going to get in trouble with them (laughs) he said you know you can lift an awful lot and get in trouble so i have forks i can carry one log at a time and pretty much when i cut a tree down i get it within just a few feet of where i can pick it up and carry it and i can set it on the mill I don't have to drag it. So I'm not dealing with a lot of mud. Mm. That I think that makes a difference because I don't have a debarker and uh, I don't have water supply to use a power washer. Yeah, so what is that referring to? Like what's a debarker do for you? The debarker <clears throat> takes the, the strip of the bark off where the saw blade's going to go so that it takes away any stones or dirt or any debris that might be there. And it extends the life of the blade. Oh, okay. Because you don't have to hit something very big to screw up a blade. Nope. At the speed, it's like a chainsaw. You hit a stone with a chainsaw, you just might as well quit for the day. Yeah, you and I just last week were milling, and the log was clean. Yeah. But we went through a knot that was hollow, and the inside of that hollow knot wasn't clean. Even though uh, the mill I run has a debarker, but the debarker yeah. can't chip away no, inside there. And, and I don't know if it was organic or. Might have been a stone in there. Who knows? How would a stone? I I I looked at it. It says, "How could a stone get up there?" Because it was it was dragged around a little bit. Yeah. When it was pulled out, who knows? But as soon as that blade touched it, that was the end of the blade. I I don't even know if that one's going to get sharp, and that one might get rejected when I send it out. It was bad, bad. It was a mess. We hardly cut. Yeah. So you want to? Yeah, definitely want to keep that blade out of debris. It'll cut wood fine, but it won't cut anything else. Yeah. Yeah. They're built for that. They're not built for dirt. Well, speaking of that, what have you sawed into? Anything uh, noteworthy? I actually, I cut a couple bullets. Yeah. Yeah, but they didn't do anything because they were lead. Yeah, lead bullets. They're too soft. But I usually, you know, always have a permanent marker on me, and now when I'm sawing for a client, um, I always circle it. And write bullet and permanent marker yeah. next to it. So at least they know in the future if they want to incorporate that into their build somehow right. or into right. the story. It always is interesting. Yeah, it'd be cool to be in a table leg one day, you know, to have a lead bullet yeah. cut and in I, half. I have hit the sawmill a few times. Uh-oh. Some of the um, clamps and things. Just, again, because I wasn't paying attention. And yeah. That's, that's not good. Anything else? Or do you get into nails often or uh, bolts? Not really, because all the trees were that I've been cutting were forest trees. Then they're off your property. Then. And they're off my property, yeah. I I did cut a log up that had been tapped, so I had tap holes, but okay. no spiles. I've hit spiles with chainsaw, mm. not with a sawmill. That must be terrible. <laughs> it was, you know when you hit it, that's for sure. 
Yeah, I uh, I don't know. I get around with ours, and the trees come from wherever. A lot of them are yard trees. A lot of them are some sentimental tie to the tree that had to come down for other reasons. They want to utilize it. So I come across nails. The last job I did had I, I luckily never hit any of them. I saw all three of them in different logs before I got to them, but carriage bolts. Oh, they would have. They would have. Really they would have stopped that they blade in a hurry. Yeah, broke it probably. But uh, for what all three of them. I missed them. I just caught them before I got there. So I took the chainsaw and I cut, I, my, uh, cut a circle around them. So whoever cuts that in, log into firewood later can see it too. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't want them to hit yeah, their chainsaw. Yeah, we, were, we it. had a job a couple of years ago where you had a couple of logs you just threw off the mill. and It's not worth it. It's not worth it. No. For the time it takes to mess around with it, it's, forget it. Unless it's something like special wood that you're yeah. never going to come across again. Just forget it. It yeah. can be firewood. I've seen videos where the guy cutting the log actually has a bunch of tools and he digs this stuff out. But they're usually valuable logs. Yeah. And he ends up marring them, but he can cut them. And you can work with the pieces you end up with. Yeah, and you fill the mars with yeah. something else later, epoxy or whatever. But um, the coolest thing I've ever found, not while I've had this mill in, in my hands, but um, in college when I was work and work study and they gave us a sawmill to play around with uh we found a horseshoe Ooh. we were going through a log and it was a red pine log that was substantial it was 20 20 inches or bigger in diameter we'd go through and we hit something and it broke the blade we we're like huh interesting but it was an old blade so we were just at the time we the moment we thought that the blade just the blade broke. failed yeah. the blade failed so we threw another blade on went right down the same kerf <laughs> hit that and then busted that blade. Oh. That was a new blade. We're like, uh-oh. So um, we took the chainsaw out next, and we cut it apart and then split it apart. Turns out it was a full horseshoe that someone had rung around the tree when it was a, a sapling, a, a pole-sized tree when the horseshoe could fit. Yeah. And it, the tree somehow grew around it, didn't get girdled, and encapsulated the whole thing oh, wow. into it. And it had been living in the center of that tree for you know decades yeah <laughs> and uh that went went home with one of my friends i hope yeah. he still has it because it was pretty cool yeah to see. some of those types of things you kind of put in your archives yeah you know because you don't see it very often i had a, a rotor on a one of my first heavy duty trucks and i was going to albany to take a bed up to my daughter and in blenheim i stepped on the brakes for something and i heard this terrible noise and turns out that the guy looked at it, the, the shop right there in Blenheim, and he says, I don't see anything. So I said, I'm turning around. I went home. And every once in a while, it would make this noise, and i stop, and it would stop. So I, the noise would stop. Then I'd go further. I ended up getting it back to Brookside in Margaretville, and when they worked on it, the hub had snapped right off the rotor. Oh. So that went in my archives because that's pretty, pretty darn impressive. Yeah, it snapped right off, and I could keep driving it. Fortunately, and it didn't really damage the, the pads. So hmm. It was amazing. Yeah, I've got a a bolt, a lag bolt that I split out of a piece of firewood. But what riddles me, is that it wasn't from the. It's hard to describe without showing you a picture of drawing it. But the threaded portion were facing outward <laughs> of the tree. Huh. I can't figure out how that bolt got in there. Yeah, because it wasn't it, it wasn't lagged in. No. <laughs> I don't know. So, 
Uh, that one's in my sap house, with, yeah. up on the up in the rafters. And so every now and then, someone who's paying attention no, looks at it and goes, "Huh? Yeah. What the what heck? How did that happen? Yeah. I don't know." It is amazing what you find. You know that we. I was watching a video the other night, actually getting ready for this show to, to get ideas to talk about, and the, it was an old guy had a Norwood sawmill. I don't know if I'm supposed to advertise mills or not but no you're not advertising you're just I'm, talking about yeah. what they're yeah norwood mill and it was big it was 36 inch mill so he had some he cut some big stuff but he was older than me at least he looked it and he was an animal with the wood he could he moved it really well but he talked about that first cut you know it's just it's like opening up a geode or um Anything you know, you Your open a box at Cracker Jacks yeah, with a toy you inside. Oh, what's inside? Yeah, and more often than not, I've been impressed with what's inside a tree. Yeah, wow. it's just amazing, really. It's yeah. beautiful. It's almost never dull, especially when a lot of what we're cutting is is not really high grade material. I mean, a lot of stuff that we come across, if it was worth something, it would have already been sold to a sawmill. Yeah, most of it. So it's lower grade, maybe firewood quality, maybe a species that's not commercially viable. And when you get into some of those, it's incredible what's yeah. inside. But, well, the one that comes to mind for me especially is apple. Apple's cool. I cut a tree down for a friend. that The base of it was, it was a big hollow, and she just wanted it gone. It was one that Catskill Forest Association had pruned a few years before, but she said, I just want it gone. She was <laughs> we didn't prune it hard enough, huh? Yeah. So I cut it down, and the second log up was straight. And about seven or eight inches in diameter, maybe eight or nine inches in diameter. And I said, Giselle, I'm going to take that log, and I'm going to make something for you out of it. Because I'd never cut apple. I knew it had a possibility. And I took it to the mill, and... I cut it and I made some book match pieces so that when you cut them, so that when you fold them back on each other, that the, the uh, grain is a mirror image of the other side. And and I made a, a bookshelf for her and I made a coat rack for one of my CFA buddies. <laughs> it's and, it's uh, a towel rack in my bathroom now. Oh, is it? Yeah, it's gorgeous. Really, really beautiful wood. <clears throat> It did need some work, and I got it kiln dried. And Gary Mead, who did the drying for me, says, "You know, apples cranky." And I think if you listen to Gary once in a while on the show, he uses that term a lot. Yeah, I've stole it from him. I use it a lot yeah. too. And applewood is truly cranky. Yeah, that coat rack you built for me, I have since uh, since flat reflattened it once. Really? After you gave it to me, and I had it flat. You had it flat, and it was kiln dried, so yeah. it just wants to move, oh, yeah. but. I think that was because it went into the bathroom, so it added a little oh, humidity. It gets yeah. some seasonal humidity, yeah. but now it hasn't moved again. After I flattened it a second time and refinished it again, it hasn't yeah. moved. But, but I made a, I had to use some epoxy because I had some holes in it, natural holes, just was mm -hmm. getting old. And I made a bookmatch coffee table, and I didn't feel like getting out my router planer to flatten it. I'd made it probably thick enough to do that, but I didn't get it out. So I have a coffee table that's got shims under two legs. Uh oh. And you can't you can put stuff in two corners and it rolls to the center. But it's so beautiful, I don't care. Right. 
And then I made, I learned a new word. I, I learned the word charcuterie. <laughs> and I made a board out of the, I cut the end off of it and made it into a hors d'oeuvres board. Yeah. And, uh, I still don't, I can't say that very well. No. I just call them coochie coochie boards. <laughs> <laughs> I call them uh, snack boards. Yeah. 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 I've got one of those too. Um, yeah, that was, that was, that was an incredible log. What else sticks out to you that you've mailed? Um, well, the, the sycamore we did was incredible. The quarter sawn grain, which is the, on the outside of the, when you cut a flat slab, it's the outside of the center of the log. The grain is vertical. That has really cool character. It's, it's neat. I mean, yeah. it can go anywhere from like a tiger striping to a fishnet to a scale kind of look. Yeah. That, Gorgeous. Yeah. And that <laughs> I've, I've made some stuff out of. And my cutoffs that happen to have it in, I have a friend who is a forager. He makes knives. Mm -hmm. and he, I give him some of my unique stuff for handles. It's gonna be really cool as a handle. Yeah, I was telling you, I, same thing. I, Mike and I split this tree, so my half, I've currently, I trimmed out the, my entire spare bedroom with it, so all the trim work is sycamore, and then the, a door to match. So the the door is that quarter sawn yeah. sycamore. It's gorgeous. It but my cutoffs, I gave to a friend too, and he uh, he carved a, a hair comb and some spoons that oh, are wow. beautiful huh. really cool looking i don't have anybody that does that i just figure a nice knife maybe ed'll give me a knife someday for maybe what i give him but i doubt it because <laughs> those knives are worth four or five hundred bucks <laughs> you know? anyway that's um i i really like to cut large um, what's special about large large the the color the grain and the resiliency of it. Yeah, what color? It comes out um, with it. You can obviously see the grain when it's flats on, and it's a reddish color. Mm. And if you, I put it in the floor of my cabin, and it got really much redder. Oh, really? Yeah, it darkened up a lot. I cut a floor for my daughter, and her floor, uh, I didn't put it down, so it came out really good. My son-in-law did it, and he's a little more fussy than I am about things. But it's in a room with a lot of light, but it stayed kind of light-colored. But it's really beautiful. Hmm. And I've made benches and picnic tables and all sorts of things out of it. Nice. Yeah, and I have my one of my neighbors, Frank Winkler, has a large stand that he planted right before he got um, engaged. Because we just went through this with his grandson over some stuff. But if he has a blowdown, he doesn't have any way to use it. And he knows it's nice wood. So he'll tell me, i got a tree down. And he'll drag it to where I can get to it with a tractor. And then I take it home. Nice. This past year, he actually cut some because his grandson wanted to do a project of making birdhouses, bluebird houses. So he got a cut list from Ben. And he cut the trees down. I transported them to the mill. We cut them to the right sizes, took them back to his house. Ben and he cut them out and made birdhouse. They made 100 bluebird houses. Oh, wow. For an Eagle Scout project. That's amazing. Yeah. So, I mean, those are things that, um, that I've done, and I, I just love the larch. And they were going to paint them. And I said, wait a minute, you don't paint a birdhouse first off. They don't like it painted. <laughs> but um, it takes away from the wood, too. 
Yeah. Especially yeah. larch that's not going to rot. You know, it's not like a pine, piece of pine or a piece of plywood. Yep. So you leave it the way it is. And uh, they were really happy with them. And it was a good project that we all got to do. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Now, some notable things I've done. Let's see. I really like the sycamore. I really like walnut, but who doesn't? Um, I really like some soft maple. Uh, soft maple is one of those trees you really just you never know what's in it until right. it comes out. There's such variability. Some of it could have a, a lot of uh, sapwood, so it's going to be really white color um, with some gray colored um, grain. It could have an ambrosia beetle infection, which is a, a beetle that had ambrosia fungus on its back when it bored into the tree, and that caused these gray streaks um, throughout. It looks like a tiger stripe look. Um, it could have some tap holes in it from someone yep. doing maple syrup, or it could be mostly heartwood. And yeah, it's, it's a really, really brownish yep. gray color that it just, it, Everyone amazes me, it seems. Yeah. I've come to a new appreciation of soft maple, and I've, I've learned why that's, it's not really commercially that valuable is because it's so variable. Right. You know, a sawmill that's putting out a lot of lumber needs to sell a whole pallet or a truckload of the same lumber right. if someone's buying something. Yeah. So um, sugar maple is more predictable. Cherry is more predictable. Red oak is very predictable. Yeah. These are all valuable species, and you get one log through it, you, you probably have 100 logs of the same thing going through but um, soft maple is a little different. I've got a soft maple right next to my driveway that it's got a ring around it to get cut someday. But the first thing I'm going to do when it's cut is save the first two eight-foot logs because the the bark spirals. Mm -hmm. And I really want to know what that does to the wood inside because mm -hmm. the wood curls. I mean, I cut some firewood this week that the tree was Current was spiraling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, what is that going to do on a sawn board? Probably I, make it cranky. Pro oh, I'm sure it will, <laughs> but I'm going to make it thick enough that I can, you know, because it's my tree, I can do what I want with it. Yeah, yep. and I'll make it thick enough that I can flatten it if it does get cranky. But what's the what's it going to be like? Is it going to be curly or is it going to be whatever else you could get? Uh, one, I don't know. Yeah, man, who knows? I mean, one thing that I. I've saw it a little bit of, but I don't really have much experience to even talk about it. Is is yellow birch and black birch something I'd like to experiment more with? I don't have any, uh, you know, building experience with it as far as making furniture. I've got black birch coming in. Do you to a point where in another fifteen years I might be able to cut some? Mm, yeah, well, that's that's the Catskills is becoming yeah. a, a lot of birch, yeah. especially in uh, disturbed hemlock stands on yeah. north slopes. A lot of black birch, yellow birch coming in. So we're gonna have a lot to deal with, and you know, when I'm your age, that'll be something that we'll be cutting a lot of. Yeah. But. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I'd like to get a hold of some now, and I know there's some logs that need to come out, so maybe I'll get a hold of those. But uh. yeah. I also, um, when we bought our property down by the stream, we had a oak tree that was four trunks. And in doing some little forensics on it, my determination was that about 100 years ago, well, this was 20 years ago, <laughs> about 100 years ago, somebody cut an oak tree down and it suckered. Mm -hmm. And four suckers survived and grew. So there's four trunks to this tree, all at the base 30 inches across. Wow. Yeah. And I said, you know, 
but between Becky and I, we decided it's it's too valuable to us to leave it stand and crack and rot and do all that. So we hired it cut, and I took it to Gary Mead, and he sawed it and dried it for share. And he's he took the um the crappy stuff. He says I all I wants the the low grade stuff. But so he made me some nice boards. And when the guys had cut it, they left the stump about four and a half feet tall because everything was grown together to that point. So you couldn't get a saw in to cut one trunk at a time. Mm-hmm. During COVID, uh, two years ago now, Becky said, you know, I want to put a picnic table down by the stream and I want to make that oak stump into a bench. I said, okay, well, I'll, I'll do that. So I built a picnic table that I had to build with a tractor because it was logs. It's not going to run away or float away or get stolen because it's big 12 inch logs but anyway that oak tree i says i'll just cut it i'll just cut chunks out of it for what you want and i put on my long bar for my chainsaw mill and i cut into it and i got about an inch in and it started cutting like oak and i was ripping it so it was it was hard work i had to have the ripping chain on and the first block that i took off i said holy cow this is not rotted. It was super rich red. It was curly. On the edges, it had some solid wood that was spalted. It had, it was amazing. So that stump was just sitting there rotting, but it was only rotting about an inch. Yeah, that's the thing with oak. The sapwood rots fast, but the heartwood doesn't. Yeah. It could lay it was, on the floor. It was floor. incredible. Yeah. And I got, I still got more to take off of it. This thing that's a bench is going to be a flat table because <laughs> i'm going to take all of it. yeah and uh the blocks were so big that i cut off i had to use your 36 inch sawmill to get through them and that stuff made the most beautiful short like end tables mm-hmm. and it came out so nice i flattened them on the router table and i did i air dried them i didn't bother kiln drying them i didn't didn't want it to get uh, I didn't want to take the time. I let them sit for a year in the bar, and they dried out. But beautiful wood. Really cool. Yeah. Really cool. Yeah, I mean, that's the, that's the joy of a yeah. sawmill, right? And that's just what, you know, that's what you do. You, you you take a gamble on something that it's too good to do something else with, like cut it up for firewood, <laughs> and uh, go with it. Yeah. You know, I mean, it helps you appreciate what, these Catskill Mountains have to offer. Yeah. I mean, Gary said it on this show before. We have the most beautiful wood in the world, and there's absolutely no reason to import anything. No. And now that I've worked with it too, I, I firmly agree. I don't think I'll ever, if I have to ever work with imported wood, I'm not going to care about it. I'm not going to appreciate it. I'm not going to, I'm going to be wishing I was working with Catskills wood yeah. instead. Yeah. You know, even something <laughs> that's having problems now, like ash. Ash is a beautiful wood. Yeah, um, I, I, I really enjoy working with it. Yeah, it's nice to work with. Now, I was an old ash bat person back in baseball day, <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> I don't. I've never swung a maple bat. They switched to metal when I was playing. But the ash was a good baseball bat, and you had the guy on from Cooper's or Doubleday or was it Cooper's or leather stocking, leather stocking. Uh, bat, bat pillet company, bat pillet company. Yeah, in Oneana, yep. yeah. and I was listening to that and I was saying man I wish I was there I'd love to talk to them about bats mm. 
because we had a when we played town team, we our manager was a retired guy with minor league service, and he knew bats. And he went to one of the local stores and picked out the bats, hand picked them. Yeah. And I had this penchant for turning my hands on inside pitches, and I kept breaking them. He said, "Porter, that that and that you don't touch until <laughs> a game." And uh, <coughs> they they had small little defects in the barrel, but it was a defect that made it hard. So there was a lot more bounce in the ball when it hit it. Mm-hmm. And he just looked and he said, "Yeah, we're not going to use those except for games." And I proved him right because the first one I took out of the bag that he said I could use, first swing I took with it, I broke it right in half. <laughs> and he said, see, that's why I told you not to use those. So, But that was really an interesting show, though, to learn about the making of the bats and what makes them the best. Yeah, well, it was cool to learn, you know, hand splitting them is, yeah. is the way to go. Yeah. And it makes sense on a sawmill. We know, you know, when you start flat sawing, it looks so beautiful in the grain because we're sawing through grains. Yeah. And, uh, you know, splitting is following grains. Yeah. It, it, it was uh, it was really, I, I enjoyed that show. And anybody that's ever used a wooden bat would have enjoyed it if they didn't hear it, which they can hear if they go to the pod bean. Yeah, it's archived on CFA's website, CatskoForestAssociation.org, or CatskoForest.org, rather. And then uh, on Podbean, you can look at all of our archive shows uh, from the forest there. But So, Mike, uh, just a few minutes left. What's the future of your sawmill looking like? What are you looking forward to getting on that mill, or um, what are you doing with it? Well, I've, right now I'm remounting it. I did it in a hurry when I got it. And I use cross pieces to put the rails on, yeah. and the frost heaves them real bad. So I've used some of the money I've made from selling a little bit of lumber, and I bought 16-foot 6-by-6s, and I'm going to get them set up so that the mill stays flat year-round. Oh, that's good. And that'll help because I'm getting old enough I don't like crawling around in the mud to tweak it. Mm-hmm. And Who does? Yeah, who does, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> In fact, I go up every day and I look and I say, yeah, there's mud there still. But I'm going to take my tractor in and reroute some of the water so it dries out. But in my pile right now, I've got some larch logs from Frank. I've got a couple of elm logs that had died on the stump from Dutch elm disease. Mm, elm is beautiful. Yeah. That's another one I, I wish to, I could mill more of. Yeah. It's hard to find them. It is hard to find a big one. Yeah. Um, I've, I've built a a uh, coffee table with one once and it was hard to work with it likes to chip out around the knots so watch out there okay but uh the grain's beautiful yeah. and the shimmers and shines and it's a, it's a glo- i put a matte finish on it but oh. the wood naturally wanted to gloss oh wow. it's this really cool yeah. effect i know you don't want to use it for firewood because it doesn't split very mm-hmm. good but that i got these couple logs um and i've got quite a bit of pine that I want to do. And then ultimately I want to do that soft maple and see what's in it. And I've got some cherry logs that we cut down for fire. We cut the trees for firewood and there was two eight foot logs that were too nice to do anything with. So Mm -hmm. they're laying in the woods ready to come out to the mill. They won't be big, but I'll get some nice stuff out of that. And uh, I had a couple of sugar maple trees die that I cut up and I made some neat stuff out of. So 
I'm just whatever happens to come along. And I try to use my own wood. But if something comes down on a neighbor's property and they don't want it, I'll scoff it up. You might as well. Yeah. You might as well. Well, you've got about a minute left, Mike, on From the Forest. Do um, you have any advice to anybody looking to do some portable sawmilling or get a mill of their own? If you're interested in sawmilling, go to see somebody who's got one and work with it for a while with them. Even if you just tail, tailing is pulling the stuff off as it's cut. But watch what's going on. Watch what the wood does. Um, and then think about what you have for resources. Do you have a tractor or something to lift logs? Are you going to have to, um, do you want to move the mill? Because you'd have to have a trailer. And you can get trailers that are built. Just decide what you want, what your limitations are before you buy anything. Right. And you can spend, it's like, when do you stop with maple syrup? You know, when do you stop with a sawmill? You can get one like I've got where everything is manual or you can uh, get one like CFA purchased that is hydraulic and computerized. And, and I, I, well, CFA has got every bell and whistle I can ask for, and it's still considered a middle-of-the-road yeah. uh, uh, as far as the options go yeah. and so price. Just, just think about it. And people that have sawmills are going to be glad to have you come by and look at them. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, thank you, Mike. Thank you for coming on again. As always, uh, this was From the Forest. If you missed the show, every Wednesday, 6 to 7 p.m., we talk about a different forest-related topic. Tonight we had Mike Porter on, president of the Catskill Forest Association's Board of Directors, and we were talking portable sawmilling and small-scale sawmilling at home. Thanks for having me. Good night, everyone. lights were flashing and the icy wind did blow the water seeped into his shoes and the drizzle turned to snow his eyes were red his hopes were dead and the wine was running low and the old man came home from the forest his tears fell on the sidewalk as he stumbled in the street a dozen faces stopped to stare but no one stopped to speak for his castle was a hallway and the bottle was his friend and the old man stumbled in from the forest up a dark and dingy staircase the old man made his way coat around him as upon his cot he lay and he wondered how it happened that he'd ended up this way getting lost like a fool in the forest and as he lay there sleeping a vision did appear upon his mantle shining the face of one so dear who'd loved him in the springtime of a long forgotten year when the wildflowers did bloom in the forest she touched his grizzled fingers and she called him by his name and then he heard the joyful sound of children at their game 